Good day, Grace Nation. I hope you had a blessed week. This past week, we've actually been fasting and praying, and we've been fasting and praying for the country. And one of the reasons we've been fasting and praying is for the country and for everything that we need. And I hope you guys had a blessed week fasting. Over the past few days, as I was fasting and as I was praying, God was showing me a few visions and dreams. And one of the main themes in those visions and dreams was things being unnatural, where instances were occurring that were not from God and they were unnatural. And the one verse that God showed me this past week is Ecclesiastics 10 verse 7, which reads, I have seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the ground. The scripture was so interesting because it's something that God kept reminding me over and over again that there are things as Christians that we have been seeing and there are things that are happening in our lives that are not natural, that are not from God, and we allow it to happen. It might seem impossible. Why are things walking and slaves on horses? It might seem impossible but sometimes we allow that to happen. John 15, 15, Jesus is speaking not only to his disciples, but he's also speaking to us in the future and us right now. What Jesus says in John 15 is not only for then, but it's for our current situation. Jesus goes, I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. Galatians 4, 7 reads, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own children. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. In both John and Galatians, the one thing that is kept being told is that we are not slaves anymore, but we are kings and heirs to the throne. And therefore, we have authority to receive it. But the one thing that I found interesting is that the princes and kings are walking whilst the slaves are on horses. This means the heirs are not enjoying what God has destined for them. This means the heirs are walking as if they're chained and are walking under the authority of the slaves. And that's not what we're supposed to do, ladies and gentlemen. The, what is supposed to happen is that the prince and the royalty and the heirs are supposed to be on horses and commanding the slaves and having authority over the slaves. When we're talking about slaves, we're not only talking about people who are under dominion, who are working hard and not getting remuneration. For when we're talking about slaves, we're talking about something different. In John 8, verse 34 to 36, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So Jesus tells us that we are not slaves and nothing has control over lives. So when we are talking about slavery, we are not talking about being bound or being owned by people, but we are talking about things that are having dominion over our lives. One thing Pastor G.S. was speaking about last week was we are going to recover everything that the enemy has stolen. And before we can recover everything that the enemy has stolen, we first need to understand who we are. We need to understand what it is that needs to be recovered. We need to know our position in the world of what we are. In John 8, we see that if we continue sinning, we become slaves to sin. The Bible has many examples of sin, such as committing murder and adultery. A person does not one day wake up an alcoholic, nor does a person one day wake up addicted to something. It all starts as a process. It might start from looking at a picture that you shouldn't be looking at, then jumping to videos, then a couple of years later you're struggling with pornography and you can't release yourself from it, and now you've become a slave to that and the one thing that we need to understand is that we are not slaves, but we are heirs to the throne, which means whatever we are struggling with should not have authority over our lives. Whatever we are struggling with, God has called us to say, you can have more authority over this, and therefore I am going to restore you, and I'm going to show you that you are not a slave to it. Verse 35 and verse 36 in John shows us two types of people, two types of protection that you get in life. You can either be a slave, or you can be an heir. And depending on who you are, you can either be bound by something for life, or you can have authority over something. And 
depending on how you see yourself, will determine how you come out of that situation. If you know you're a child of God and you know what God has in store for your life, you'll understand that nothing can stop you, that nothing can harm you. God says we are not slaves, but we're heirs to the throne. We should live a victorious life. I'm reminded of a story that takes place in 2 Kings 6. The king of Aram is at war with Israel. And every time the king tries to go and attack Israel, his plans get spoiled because the king of Israel is told by Elisha everything that's going to happen. Now, the king gets very angry and says, Who of you keeps telling my plans to the people? Verse 11 to 12 reads, When raised the king of Aram, he summoned his officers and demanded them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. The king then orders his men to go and capture Elisha. Now what I found interesting is the servant tells him that Elisha sees everything, not only that you tell us now in the open, but he sees everything that you even speak to yourself or think to yourself in the privacy of your own room. And in the privacy where no one else understands. And I found it interesting that the king knows that God is showing Elisha everything, but the king still thinks he can go and catch Elisha. And I found this interesting because it means that Elisha already knew the plans that was going to happen. So the army goes and the army surrounds the city. When you jump to verse 15, it reads, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Now the servant wakes up and decides, let me go and do what I normally do in the morning. And he sees the city surrounded. And as the city is surrounded, he's now wondering what to do. He sees this whole army and he knows it is not looking great. And this might seem strange and this might seem like it might be far-fetched, but that sometimes happens in our lives. Where everything is going smooth, we're enjoying everything, everything we touch is growing, everything we're doing is prospering. But then it comes a time when the devil does not attack us, but the devil surrounds us and cuts us off system from everything that we need to achieve. And we now get words to say, oh no, what shall we do? And that was what the servant was worried about. He's like, oh no, the army is around me and around the city, and therefore we are surely doomed. In life, we sometimes find that in ourselves, where everything is surrounding us and everything is restraining us, and now we don't know what to do. We may have tried everything, we may have been doing all everything in our own strength, and we've been trying this, we've been trying that, we've been failing, our business is not doing well, our jobs are not doing well, whatever it is in life that's not going well, you've been trying. It's not saying you've been sitting down and just waiting patiently and not doing anything, but you've been trying and you're tired. Ephesians 6, 10 to 14 reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full arm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full arm of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. And I love what verse 13 and 14 says. It says, Therefore take on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand thereof. And the rest of the verses continue talking about how putting on the full armor of God. But the one thing I found interesting is that there comes a point in time where 
you've already drawn the arm of God and already gone to war and you are tired and you've been fighting and things might not be working out the way you're saying, the Bible says, stand, keep standing. And that's what I love about God. He says, I am with you, just stand with me and I will be there. A lot of the times we as Christians think the battles are easy. The battles might not always be easy. The battles might be hard. The battles might not be quick, but the battles might be long. And therefore, no matter what the situation is, we need to stand and continue standing in the Word. Both Ephesians 6 and 2 Kings 6 have one thing in common. In 2 Kings 6, verse 16 to 17, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around him. I love this. You know, Elijah is surrounded by this army, and Elijah can see this army. A big army that's so huge that it can surround a whole city. Now, Elijah doesn't worry about it because Elijah understood one thing. That even though the army is physical, the war is spiritual. So the moment Elijah saw that, he understood that, no, I can see that this is spiritual war. So therefore, I pray to God that he opens the serpent's eyes. And God did do that. And God showed him the things that were there. He showed him the army that was there. In Ephesians 6, when you continue reading, it talks about putting on the full armor of God and putting on the shield and getting the sword. Now, these things are spiritual attire that you have to wear and you have to don on. And I can't go and buy a sword and go to my work colleague who's now irritating me and go with the sword and start fighting him because that will obviously end me in prison. But what I can do is understanding that God has the power to change a person's heart. I can pray for that colleague and pray to God to change his heart. And God will do that. That's why these wars are spiritual. Both Elijah and the servants knew about God. But the only difference is that the servant saw himself as a servant. Whereas Elijah knew that God is with him. Elijah knew that he had authority in this world. And God had drawn him with authority in the situation. And that's the important thing. Depending on what you see yourself, you see yourself as a slave or you see yourself as a servant. Today's message is titled, Being Victorious. And to be victorious, you need to understand who you are in Christ. You can't see yourself as a slave and expect to receive what is meant for an heir. Just like the servant, when he saw himself as weak, he could not fathom what God was going to do in that situation. But Elijah knew that he was grace. Elijah knew that he was blessed by God. He knew that no matter what happens, he will achieve. Even David, when David went to fight Goliath, David knew that he had been told he was going to be king. So David knew that no matter what may come, no matter what situation may come, no matter what giant may come, until God has blessed him and until God has put him in the power of authority of being king, nothing can come and harm him. And so therefore, when David went to fight Goliath, he knew that he is an heir. He knew that God is with him and God will protect him until the day he becomes king. Elijah understood that this army is big, But the one that I serve, God's army is greater. God's army is stronger. And that's one thing we need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, is that God is powerful. And in this battle, it's not about us, but it's about God's army doing the works for us. James 3, verse 3 to 6 reads, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rather makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all parts of the body, the tongue is 
a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. The most important battles we face, ladies and gentlemen, is not the physical ones, but the most important battle we face is how we see ourselves. The first battle that we need to win before we can win any other battles, we need to decide what do we see ourselves in. The verse we just read shows that the power of the tongue can determine the whole situation of our life, that something so small can cause a huge fire. And therefore, what we see ourselves can determine how we approach each battle. Who we call ourselves to be can determine how we approach each battle. And no matter what battle you're facing, if you go in there with the mentality that you're a slave, you've already lost that battle, you've already been captured by the enemy. But if you go in that battle knowing that you're victorious, knowing that you're a king, knowing that you're a queen, knowing that you're an heir to that throne, you will be victorious. Luke 15 is a parable of the two sons. This parable is about a father who has two sons. Now, it comes a time when one of the sons wants their wealth. And if you read from verse 12 to 13, it reads, And the younger one of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. So the father decides, you know what, you've asked my son. So then he father sets everything aside and he splits those two livelihood for the two sons. And now, many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, as one of the sons decides, let me take my stuff and go. He decides to take his wealth and takes him a couple of days to pack everything up, you know, to gather everything up and leave. And he goes and he blows everything. And whilst he's squandering everything, he gets so broken that says that he decides, okay, now I need to work. And so he starts finding a job, and he's looking for jobs and anything that can get him money, anything that can feed him. And he gets to a point where he's so hungry that he's looking at what the pigs are eating, and it's like, Yo, maybe I should just eat that. And as he's about to do so, he realizes that, you know what, even the servants by my father ate better. And he realized, let me go back to my father's house. So he decides to leave and go back to his father's house. Now, as he's leaving and going back to his father's house, the father sees him approaching from far. Father runs to him, gives him a robe to cover him, gives him a ring, even puts on sandals on him, which means that he lured him again. And then he says to his servants, hey, let's have a big party. Kill the fattest calf so that we may eat and celebrate that my son is back. Now, as this is all happening, and we jump to verse 25, which reads, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young coat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf. What the father says in verse 31 is so amazing and so interesting. The father says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. I found the story very interesting and it's an amazing story of two sons who have 
been given everything and have been wealth and one squanders it. Now I realize that even the household knows what the son has been doing in the other city. Everyone knows that the son has now squandered everything and they can see because he's coming with nothing on him as well. So they've heard the rumors. The guy knows because of the rumors. It's like he's not only squandered his money on gambling, but he said on prostitutes means that the message already come out to him. There are two important things to realize in Luke 15. From Luke 15 from verse 11 to verse 31. The first thing we see is found in verse 12, where the father divides the property. He divides it among the sons, which means he sits the sons down and says, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours. And the interesting thing is that from verse 12, once the father has distributed everything, now the father has no authority on those things. Each person now has authority over the, his own possession. And everything that the father owns now belongs to them because the father has given them everything that he owns. And the second thing is found in verse 28. And the son says that he has been slaving for the father and even got a small goat for him and his friends to celebrate. And the interesting thing is that even though the father distributed the wealth amongst both of them, the son still saw himself as a servant. The son still saw himself as a slave. The son did not understand that he was an heir, so the son was literally walking and not getting onto that horse and receiving everything that was meant for him. And although the son was trying to work everything to improve the father's things, the father had no authority to give the son the goat because that goat already belonged to him. The father could not give him something that already belonged to him because it was his property and already given it to him. And this is confirmed what the father says in verse 31, that, but everything that I have is yours. The father didn't say that, you know what, I split it back in those days. I split it like a month or two, a year or two, or how many years before the son left, or months or days before the previous son left. He did not say, we split it back then, and therefore, what's happening now is the new things, I'm going to re-split again, and now I'm going to split again everything. Because everything that the son had been improving on, everything as the stock was getting more and everything was getting bigger, did not belong to the father anymore. That's why the father says everything that he has belongs to the son. Because the father had given it to the son in verse 12. Now everything that we need has been given to us on the cross. Everything that we desired, everything that we want, Jesus got for us on the cross and Jesus got for us. And therefore everything that we need and everything that we want is just waiting for us to understand who we are and what we are called to be for us to receive that and for us to go and live that in authority. Romans 8 verse 17 reads, And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance, if indeed we share in his suffering, so that we may also share in his glory. Which means that everything that Jesus has, we have received as heirs. Galatians 3.18 reads, For if the inheritance of what was promised is based on observing the law, as these false teachers claim, it is no longer based on the promise. However, God granted it to Abraham as a gift by virtue of his promise. Romans 4 verse 13 to 17 confirms Galatians 3 and reads, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. So Abraham received that promise through the righteousness of faith, not through the law. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that we might be 
according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which not exist as though they did. The scripture says that we are heirs, not because of the law, but because of God's promise. And if we Going by the law, then faith itself is void, and the promise itself is also void. As children of God, we received everything through faith. We receive everything through faith, which means we don't have to buy it. We don't have to do anything for it. God wants to bless us, and God says, receive my child. Receive the promises that I have in this word. All we need to do is we need to understand that we are heirs, and we understand that the promise we're receiving, and everything that we want to receive will be received by our faith in God and our faith in the word and our faith that Jesus died on the cross for us. As children of God, we are not slaves, but we're heirs. Our standing in the heirs does not come from the law, but comes through faith. So whatever you're going through, you need to understand that you're not a slave to it, that you, it has no authority over your life, that you're an heir, that you need to start speaking to it and that you'll receive whatever you ask for. And just like Ephesians we need to keep standing. You need to stand when you're tired. You need to stand at every moment because God says as an heir, you need to stand throughout any situation. And once you see yourself as an heir, once you see yourself not as a slave anymore, then you can understand what that comes with. You need to understand that once you are a king and you want to see yourself as an heir, that's when you know that you can receive anything that you want, for God has already blessed you with it. And there are a few steps that you can use to achieve, and once you see yourself as an heir, you can use to overcome any situation. Those situations, you might fall, stumble a couple of times, you might be trying to quit something, you might be trying to start a business, you might be trying to find a job, and you keep trying, you keep failing, you keep doing things. And you just need to stand, you keep needing to stand up and try again. Stand up and do it again, for God has blessed you with it. You just need to keep fighting, you need to keep going forward with it. The first step to defeat any challenge and to receive what God has blessed you with and receive what you have wanted God to bless you with. The first step is found in Ephesians 6 verse 18, which is speaking about after you've put on the whole armor, the armor itself, and reads, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And the first step to receiving whatever you want and overcoming the challenges that may come is to pray. And we took that step this past week, ladies and gentlemen. We took that step this past week, ladies and gentlemen. We stood and started fasting and praying. We stood and decided, God, we want the situations to change, not only in the countries we live in, but also in our lives. We want situations to change. And therefore, we prayed. And we pray believing that we are heirs to the throne. And therefore, we know that we have received everything that we ask for. And we just need to keep praying. Don't give up praying, children of God. Because God loves you and God wants to receive. And when everything has come to stand, understand that this war is not physical, but you need to pray in the spiritual realm and you will receive it. And when we're praying, we need to pray like how Elijah prayed in 2 Kings. We need to be specific about our prayer. When Elijah prayed on two occasions, the first prayer he made, he said, God, open my servant's eyes. And God opened his servant. The next time he prayed, he went, God, blind the enemy. And God 
was able to blind the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, when we pray, we need to be specific about our prayer. We need to decide what we want God to bless us and we need to stand firm and pray on that so that we may receive it. There are five reasons that we need to pray specifically. The first reason is that praying for specific needs clarifies our mind. It gives us an idea of what we want and gives us clarity of what our mind wants. The second reason is praying for specific needs is help us define our needs. If you don't know what you're praying for, you'll never know what need you want. It helps you look around and say, okay, God, I need this, I need this, and it'll help you to pray specifically for that. The third reason praying for specific needs is it emphasizes our dependence and intimacy with God. When you pray for something specific, you realize that it's not my strength that's going to do it, but God, I'm trusting in you. Just like Elijah, he understood that it is not him who's going to defeat that enemy, but it's God who's already defeated that enemy that was coming towards him. And with that, he understood that his whole life and intimacy was based on God. The fourth reason is that praying for specific needs make us more alert for the answers. When you see the answers happening, the servant, he understood after Elijah prayed when he said, open your eyes. He was alert and was able to see that the answer that God had blessed him with what he could see was not from his own strength, but was from the prayer that Elisha had prayed, and therefore Elisha's answer was there. The fifth reason for praying for spirit, it helps increase our faith. For when we receive those things, our faith grows even more. Our faith grows, and therefore we can start praying for bigger things, bigger dreams, and understand that as it is, we can receive more than we want. The second step we need to do to overcome any challenge and to receive what God has blessed us with is we need to start speaking affirmations into our lives. We need to start understanding that what we want and we need to start speaking into our lives. A lot of the times, the challenges we face, our tongue can control it. We read earlier where the Bible says the tongue is small and like a fire that can determine anything, can destroy our bodies, but can also build us up, can also make us victorious throughout anything. And that's the one thing about being affirmations. Whatever challenge you're going through, speak to it. The Bible talks about how if we speak to this mountain, as long as you have faith as small as a mustard seed, the mountain will move if we say it to move. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to speak towards your challenge. You need to speak what you want God to achieve. You need to speak and tell God what you want. You need to keep speaking into your life, keep affirming it into your life. This helps us to understand what we're asking for. Proverbs 23, 7 reads, For As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Job 3.25 reads, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I have dreaded has happened to me. So in both instances, it's talking about whatever you speak and whatever you're meditating on, whatever you affirm into your life will happen. With Job, he feared everything, and what he feared came to his life. So just like the verse read earlier on that the power of the tongue is powerful, we can either speak things and allow the devil to attack us with that, or we can speak victoriously and the devil have no way to attack us. Matthew 15 verse 11 reads, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever someone says about your life will not harm you. But whatever you say about your life has more power than what the person speaking about your life is saying. Ladies and gentlemen, so therefore you need to speak as an heir, speak to authority to whatever you want to achieve. The third step to overcome whatever challenge you're facing and to receive whatever you want, you need to start visualizing it. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to take whatever you're praying about and create a picture of your mind. You need to start 
focusing on that and visualizing yourself with that. You might be praying for a car and say, God, I'm praying for a car, and you start to speak that you have received a car. But you need to take that step a little further. You need to start imagining yourself driving to places. You need to imagine yourself driving to church, going on a holiday, doing things, and envision yourself in that, ladies and gentlemen. And that is what will help us build. Because as an A, you need to know that God has blessed me with that, and I just need to imagine it, I need to visualize on it, and focus my attention on it, and God's going to bless me with it. The fourth and final step is you need to meditate on it. After you've prayed, after you've affirmed, after you've visualized, you need to meditate on it, which means it's a constant thing. You don't just do it once off and think, okay, I'm done. God, I want this, I want that, and you pray about it and just leave it. But you need to constantly meditate on it. You need to constantly remember and ask God and say, okay, God, I'm meditating on this and I'm preparing my mind and my heart to receive this. And you keep meditating and you keep praying. You find scripture to back it up, ladies and gentlemen, because you are in air. The things have already been given to you and you just need to receive. You just need to stand. And the beautiful thing, ladies and gentlemen, is that if you know you're not a slave, if you know that you're in air, you know that whatever challenge you're facing, you will overcome it. Your business might not have been doing well due to COVID or due to looting. Or whatever job you're doing, you might have lost it or you might be looking for a new job. Whatever situation you are in, understand that God is not a God who downgrades. God is a God who upgrades and God is a God who always gives you something better than what you had in the past. In the old days in the Bible, there used to be famine and with famine sometimes there'll be limited crop and things like that. But in today's days, you might not have famine and might be less of a chance of getting famine. But in today's times, the economy might not be as great. The economy might not be looking great. The job losses might be skyrocketing. But the one thing I love throughout the whole Bible, every situation you see, that no matter what the situation was going through, no matter what the country was going through, no matter what the world was going through, God's children always prospered. And that's because God's children were not part of this world. And as an heir, you need to understand that you are prosperous. As an heir, you need to understand that no matter what you're going through, it's temporary and God will take you out of it. And you just need to stand. And when you stand, you need to stand in prayer, ladies and gentlemen, and understand that God wants to bless you with everything. And therefore, ladies and gentlemen, just stand. And God will bless you with everything. May we bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you are Alpha Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are great I am, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us heirs to the throne, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we're not slaves to anything, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that whatever may be struggling with, Lord, whatever we want to achieve, Lord, that we are not slaves to it, Lord, but we are thanking, Lord, that you will bless us with it. You will help us overcome those challenges, Lord. We'd like to thank you, Lord, that you are the Alpha and Omega, Lord. We'd like to thank you, Lord, that as we go throughout everything, Lord, that we are victorious, Lord, that we are heirs, Lord, and that we have received everything on the cross. We'd like to thank you, Lord, and we'd like to thank you that keep blessing us and keep anointing us, Lord. We'd like to thank you, Lord, to always be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you can only be an heir to the throne if you are God's child. And those promises that are stored in the Bible, those promises are for his heirs. And the only way to receive those promises through faith is to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you're ready for God to be on your side, if you're ready for God to help you fight those battles, if you're ready to become a child of God and stop seeing yourself as a slave, but to get on that horse as an heir to the throne, to get onto that horse as an heir, knowing that you have received everything. I'd like you to say this prayer with me. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that for your word, Lord. I'd like to thank you, Lord, that 
we understand that you have died on the cross, Lord. You have died on the cross for our sins, Lord. We'd like to thank you, Lord, that our sins have been forgiven on the cross, Lord. We'd like to thank you that, that I'm a new creation, Lord. We'd like to pray that you may come into our hearts, Lord. We'd like to pray that you may bless us, Lord. We'd like to become a child of God, Lord. We'd like to thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's say the prayer, the angels are rejoicing. If you have said that prayer, we want to help you strengthen your walk with Christ. If you have said that prayer, please text the number below and we'll get in contact with you. It will help you find someone close by, find a church, find a community close by that will help strengthen you throughout the week, help strengthen you throughout your walk with Christ. We'd like to thank you for watching this message. In Jesus' name, amen.